Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. How you guys feeling? You doing all right? You ready for this one? We are in Judges 8 this morning. Judges 8, uh, continuing and finishing the, the story of Gideon. Yesterday, we did, uh, we discussed how, you know, the, the whole story of Gideon and his 300 men. Um, and now we're going to finish off the, the story of, of Gideon in Judges 8. So um, I'm going to pray. and We're going to jump right into this one. Oh, Father, we love you. We just thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father, that is, that is always true, Lord God, Father. And we thank you that, that these aren't just stories, Father, but these are, are, are real lies, Father, that we can, we can take examples of how we need to live, Lord. So be with us during this time, Father. Um, open up our minds, open up our hearts, reveal new things to us, Father, as, as we spend this brief time in fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. So Judges 8, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. So he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezar? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and his 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel saying, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zamuna were in Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the East for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in tents on the east of Noba and Jogbeha, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them, and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and he routed the army. 
Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle from the ascent of Herez, and he called a young man of the men of Succoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and his elders, 77 men. <clears throat> then he came to the men of Succoth and said, here are Zeba and Zamuna, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, are the hands of Zeba and Zamuna now in your hand that we should give bread to you, your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. And he said to Zeba and Zamuna, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, as you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a youth. So Zeba and Zebunah said, rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So, so Gideon arose and killed, killed Zeba and Zebunah and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camel's necks. Verse 22, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me earrings from his plunder. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, which were on the kings of Midian, and beside the chains that were around their camel's necks. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophir, <clears throat> and all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted their heads no more, and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Then Jerubabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. Gideon had 70 sons who were his offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, whose name was Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age, and he was buried in the tomb of Joash's father in Ophrah of the Abezirites. So it was, as soon as the Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Barith their god. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubbabel in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. Amen. Whew. There was a whole lot going there. So, <clears throat> as I said earlier, Gideon and his men, his 300 men had just, you know, fought the, you know, the mighty battle and really didn't fight. They just allowed God to fight on their behalf, but they're, they're, they're pursuing the enemy. And they came, he came, um, he came across the, the people of Ephraim and they reprimanded him, you know, that the men of Ephraim, they, um, they joined in the, in the, in the fight against Midian when Gideon called out to them, yet they were upset that Gideon did not call them before the battle had started. See, Gideon's initial call went out to the tribes of Manasseh, who, who, uh, which was the tribe that he was a part of, and also Asher, Zebulon, and Naphtali. And the, the men of Ephraim seem to have cared more about recognition than, than the overall good of Israel. They wanted to have their name put out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, there's this great battle. How come we're not a part of that? You know, 
you know, and, and, and instead of being jealous about the recognition that, that the others received, they, they should have been happy that God's people were, were rescued and, and, and had, and, and they at least had some part in the victory. This shows us that jealousy hinders the work of God. Jealousy hinders the work of God. Just because you see one of your brothers and sisters being successful in this area, that area, you see this brother or sister being, you know, uh, recognized in the church or lifted up to an, uh, another position, do not allow jealousy to take root in your heart, right? Because then that just that just disrupts the entire work of God. And Gideon didn't challenge their pride. Instead, he soothed their pride by complimenting them and giving them the recognition they, that, that they seemed to crave. And, 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 and more importantly, he, he challenged them to continue to get involved in the wake of everything else that was going to come. Verse 4 says, he and 300 men who were with him crossed over exhausted, but still in pursuit. And we can imagine how tired they were. Right, they've been, been been pursuing these kings, and they they had fought hard, and they and, and they pursued the enemy over over a long distance. Charles Spurgeon writes, "If you, dear brethren and sisters, will give yourselves wholly to God's work, although you will never get tired of it, you will often get tired of it. If a man has never tired himself with working for God, I should think he never has done any work that was worth doing. The work of God is tiring." Amen. Doing the work of the kingdom is tiring, right? And sometimes we get, you know, we get physically exhausted. We get emotionally exhausted. We get spiritually exhausted, right? But even in that exhaustion, you know, if you, if, if you still are not tired of it, you know, that shows that you're in the right place. Gideon and his men at this point were in the right place. They were doing the work of God. And he asked, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me. Through Gideon, the, the call came to the people um, of the city of Sokoth to support the men. You know, we're hungry. Could you please give us some food? You know, they were not asked to engage in the battle. They weren't asked to go to the front lines. They were, hey, just give us some support, you know. But the men, uh, the, the leaders of the city, they didn't want to do it, you know. You know, are those kings, are, they, are, they, are have, you, have you captured them yet? Are they in your custody? You know, why, why should we give you anything to your army? Otherwise, I, I feel it's like, you know, I, I want to wait and see what the outcome of this battle is going to be before I throw support one way or another. And instead of help, they gave an excuse. They didn't want to support Israel in the fight against Midian until the battle was already won. We can we can suppose this was discouraging for Gideon and, and those who are fighting. They didn't ask. The people of Succoth and Penuel to fight in the front lines, only support, only support, yet they were unwilling. See, when we set out to do the, the Lord's work, that the Lord has a calling on your life, that the Lord is pushing you to do something, often the resistance that we that we we, we face more, more often is our friends and family, right? We can't allow that to hinder us. We can't allow us that to discourage us. You know, and and that hurts the more the most because the people who should be supporting us are are in fact turning their backs on us, and that's what Gideon was was facing with him and his men. You know, they because they were all Israelites. You would think that the people of the city they'd be like, you know what? These are our brethren. 
They're fighting. Yeah, whatever you guys need, we will support you. But Gideon makes a response. Verse 7, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zamuna into my hand, in verse 9, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower with or without the help of the people of Succoth and Penuel. Gideon knew he would win the battle. He said, when this happens, he didn't say if this happens, when this happens, he vowed to take revenge on these cities that refused to help the army of Israel. Because this was a very, very strategic time. This is a very important time, you know? And, and you, would, you would think, you would hope that your brethren would back you up, but they did not. So he says, when I'm done over here, when I'm done, done handling my business over here, y'all are going to be my business. That's what Gideon's saying. Right, so Gideon, continuing in the boldness of the Lord, had, 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 he, had a, he led a surprise attack on the enemy. And this wasn't the same, you know, this wasn't the same as 300, you know, attacking the vast army that we read about yesterday in Judges 7, you know, but it was still a very small army against a much larger army. And, and we can suppose that Gideon was bold enough to do this because he saw God do great things in similar circumstances. He saw what God did in the previous battles. So for Gideon, it was like, okay, God did this. I know he's going to do it over here. The previous work of God encouraged him to trust God for great things in the present. Brothers and sisters, do not forget. Do not forget. Do not forget. Let me say it one more time. Do not forget what the Lord has done in your life already. Do not forget the past. Don't be so focused on your uh, on what's in front of you that you forget what God's done be, uh, back in the day. Because God has blessed you. God has kept you. He has delivered you. He's brought reconciliation. He's brought healing. He's done so many things for each and every one of us, right? But we see the problem in front of us and we forget. We forget. And then... And since we forget, we forget him. And we start to look to our own strength to accomplish whatever it is that's in front of us. Do not forget what the Lord has done. He says he pursued them. He routed the entire army. This shows persistence, the persistence of Gideon. He fought until the battle was won completely. He went after the leaders of the opposition. He didn't just take, he didn't just defeat the army, right? And when the leaders ran, let them go. Like, okay, we're done. We, we won the battle. No, he was going to go after the head of the snake. He pursued with persistence. So once he was done and he has the armies conquered, he has the, the, the evil kings in, cap, in, in captivity. He came to the men of Sokoth and said, verse 15, See, the men of the city didn't want to help Gideon or his army until victory was assured. They refused to help Gideon by faith. They refused. And so Gideon would punish them just as he said. You know, he took the elders of the city and he took thorns and, and, and of the wilderness and briars and, and he taught the men of Succoth, which means he beat them, right? He whipped them with thorns. You know, and apparently this was a public whipping of the of the leaders of the city of Succoth with with the thorns and briars, 
And, and so in other words, like, okay, we're not, I'm not, I'm not, this ain't going to be a private. Everyone's going to see this. You refuse. Everyone's going to see this. He went to the city of Penuel and he, he says he tore down the tower and he, he killed the men of the city. Now the text doesn't make it clear. Um, but we suppose that this was a justification for, for the uh, severe penalty. Uh, perhaps the, the, the people of Pen, Penuel were, were more supporters of the Midianites versus the Israelites. We don't know. But whatever they did was bad enough to where he killed them. And then in verse 22, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to see a switch in Gideon. The people say, rule over us rule over us and, and the, the the desire for a human king over israel started way earlier in the nation's history hundred but, but but hundreds of years later after after this in the days of the, um samuel who was a prophet and, a, and another judge hundreds of years from now god's going to eventually give them a king but but gideon says i will not rule over you this was a good response for gideon because he understood that it was not his place to take over the throne of Israel. And he understood that, that, that God, the Lord God, was king over Israel. But although Gideon gave the right answer with what he said, you know, that he didn't want to be king, his words were humble, and his, but his actions were not. In the rest of the chapter, we're going to see that although he said, I will not rule over you, he's going to start acting like a king. See, it's it's easier to talk about humility and service to God than it is to actually live it. You know, this was word service that he was really telling the people, I'm not going to rule over you. And then he says that he wanted each of them to give him earrings from their plunder. And this is this doesn't seem like a lot to ask for, but when you take the... The, the the amount that's in the text it actually uh, it's more than 50 pounds of gold that he received from the people and and it was a quite a quite a big fortune for for him to get and so they, we will gladly give over to them we'll, we'll, we'll give you all this stuff and they, and they were happy to to do this and it's hard to say that Gideon didn't deserve the huge fortune but at the same time it was very inappropriate for him to get this fortune because it lifted him far above the level of the people that he would lead. And it was, it was at their expense that he was going to be lifted up. See, the general rule of thumb is that Christian leaders who, who make their living solely from the gifts of God's people, that they should live at the level of the people, not above or below. And Gideon was going to be elevating himself by doing this. And he made it into an ephod, verse 27. Yeah, and set it up in his city. And ephod is a shirt-like garment that was worn by the priests of Israel. We read about that way back in Exodus 28. And by 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 crafting an ephod, um, he, he, it was very, very wrong. Very, very wrong. And, and it's a immediately apparent why Gideon did this. It's possible that he did it to work against the prestige and the influence of the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim had just questioned him, right? They 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 questioned, you know, you know, his rule. They questioned why they weren't involved, you know. And at this time in the history of Israel, um, the, the tabernacle as the center of worship 
um, where the Ark of the Covenant was, was in Shiloh, which is in the land of Ephraim. So he set up his own um, golden idol in his own hometown. And, and he set it perhaps as a rival place of worship to compete against this other tribe that had troubled him, you know, in, in the battles. And all of Israel played the harlot with it there. All of Israel played the harlot with it there. The people of Israel, they enjoyed idolatrous worship. You know, this beautiful and expensive ephod became a snare to Gideon. It became a snare to his family. It became a snare to all of Israel. Gideon was, was, was remarkably obedient and filled with, the, with faith in, in the extreme moments of battle. But, you know, during the routine daily living, it seems to have been a greater test of his character. And this is true for many. Sometimes the challenges of daily living are, are far more difficult than, than those of the extreme moment. You know, you, you have a lot of veterans when they're when they're in, in a deployed location and you're you're constantly in battle. You you almost operate better in that, and it's and it's not until you come into peacetime that that's when that's when the problems arise. That's when PTSD really sets in. You know, because now you don't have you you're not on constant guard. Gideon was in battle. He was doing all this stuff. He was obeying the Lord. He he was he was conquering you know enemy nations. You know, but now things were things were calm, things were peaceful, and now he was starting to mess up. Gideon was forgetting who he was and who the Lord was to him. And how often do we do that? When we're in the middle of a trial tribulation, that's when we see you at the church, right? That's when we see you down at the altar. That's when we see you coming down for prayer. That's when you're blowing up people's group me's and, you know, about pray for me for this, pray for me for that and blah, 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 you know, and all this, right? And then you get your deliverance. You get your victory. You get your miracle. You get your healing. You get your restoration, whatever it is, right? And then you forget. And then we don't see you at the church too often, right? Then, then it's like, hey, where, where's so-and-so? Have you seen so-and-so? No, I haven't seen so and so. Till months later, they're back at they're back at, at at the church, walking through the doors. Hey, how's it going? Where have you been? Oh man, this is happening. That's happening. And you start to mess up. You start to mess up, right? And we all know those individuals, and we pray for those those individuals who are you know they they're 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 thrown left and right, you know, back and forth with the tide of life. You know, if things are good and, you know, then you don't see them. When things are bad, that's when they're in the church. Gideon, when, when things were, when he was in the battle, when he was in the fight, you know, when he was fighting for his life and the life of Israel, he was good. He was obedient. He could hear the word of the Lord, right? He was an, he was an amazing judge. But then when things got peaceful and the enemies were, were defeated, that's when he started to make mistakes. That's when he started to mess up. Right. Thus, so verse 28, Midian was subdued. And re regarding the security of the nation, Gideon's rule as a judge over Israel was a success. Yet in many ways, it was a spiritual failure. 29, for he had many wives 
and a, a, a harem was not only a reflection of a man's um, inability to control his his sexual lust, but it was also a way for him to proudly exp uh, express his wealth. You know, look at all my wives, look at all my, my children. I have all this family I support. It's a way to brag, right? And, and the Old Testament doesn't directly condemn polygamy. You know, it doesn't directly condemn having multiple wives, although the New Testament does in the book of Matthew and in 1 Timothy. Yet the Old Testament does show the bitter fruit of polygamy the bitter fruit of having multiple wives. The, the stories of, of polygamous families in the Old Testament, such as Jacob and, and David, are, are the stories of conflict and crisis. Look at the story of King Solomon with his, you know, 700 wives and 300 concubines, you know? And what happened after all that? The nation of Israel was completely split up. They went from a time of complete peace and prosperity and wealth, you know, to being split in two. You know, and so Gideon fell into this same trap, this same problem, right? And he had a son, verse 31, who he called Abimelech. Abimelech means my father, a king, my father, a king. It's the kind of name that a king himself would bear. It seems like Gideon intended for his son that he would become the leader of Israel after he was gone. So although Gideon had said one thing, he gave lip service to the people like, I'm not going to rule over you. God's the king. He was doing things. He was acting as a king and setting up his sons to rule. And in verse 32, the Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age. Through his career, we, we, we see Gideon as a, a man who, who um, slipped from, from, from great heights of faith to a place of outright rebellion against God. Right. This is this is a part of Gideon's story that we don't we don't touch a lot about. We don't always talk about. We always talk about Gideon is 300. Gideon is 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, okay, now flip the page. Go to chapter 8 and see what he does. We could say that he, he, he handled adversity with success, but success, riches, and prominence is what brought him down. The victory brought him down. It's not enough for us to begin well with God. We must continue on throughout our whole Christian life. Don't think because you had a victory over here that you can just chill out and you're good to go because that's when we mess up. We gotta be, you have our eyes forward to the next battle, the next adversity, right? The next thing that's gonna come, that's gonna come before us. You know, in his later years, getting had to look back he had to look back on all the great things that he that he had done for God. He couldn't look around and see the great things he'd done for God. He had to look back and see, remember all those years ago when me and 300 dudes, you know, whooped the enemy? He that's all he got, that's all he could say. All his works were in the past. Brothers and sisters, where are your works? Where is your victory? Right? If you were once, you know, so sold out for God that you did everything for God when you were in your early years, great congratulations, pat yourself on the back. What are you doing today for the kingdom of God? What are you doing today for the Lord? What are you doing today for the church, for God's people? What are you doing today? Because all you have is past victories. You have nothing. And it says, as soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel played the harlot with the bales. In a sense, Israel 
serve the memory of Gideon well, especially the Gideon of his later years. They served the Baals of Israel. And they said they mailed Baal Barith their God. Baal Barith means Baal of the covenant. Baal of the covenant. The Israelites sadly now regarded Baal as their covenant God. They no longer looked to Yahweh as their covenant God. They forgot Yahweh. And they turned to idol worship. They turned to these false gods. They taught they 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 they, they turned to demonology and, and and worshiping the enemy. They forgot. They forgot who God was. Gideon, although he was a great leader in one sense, he ended his life not so much. And because of his actions, he influenced the people of Israel in such a negative way. How were you influencing the people around you? How were you influencing your family and your friends, your coworkers? How were you influencing the other people in the church who were coming to church and they're just trying to figure out life? But they're looking to a lot of us as leaders. You walk around Fusion Church and you got a lanyard around your neck, you're a leader of the church. I don't care if what you do in your eyes is menial, you know, or what you do is great. Somebody walks into the church as a first-time guest, and they see a lanyard, they see a name tag, they see a sticker in kids ministry. You are a leader. So they are looking to you for answers. They're looking to you to be an example. Do not fall the way of Gideon. And all you have is past glories, past victories, and you have nothing for to show around you. Because God is always wanting to use us. God is faithfully wanting to use us. But it's up to us to do it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We just thank you, Lord, for, for, for your word, Lord God. Father, we thank you for, for, for an example of a man like Gideon who, who shows that you can be at the top, top, top of glory, the top, top, top of victory. And, and, and just as quickly as you made it to the top, you can be knocked down. By our, by our own actions. Father, I pray that we will never fall that way, that we will constantly be, be striving to work for you and work for your kingdom, Lord God. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they go about their day, Lord God. Show them things in their own lives that they may need, they may need to adjust. Show them things in their own lives where their, where their focus has, has been turned away from you towards, towards whatever it is. Father, I pray that you will always be the one that we rely on the one we always go to answers for, the one we always, Father, allow to lead us. Father, we praise you and we lift your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. I'll see y'all soon. God bless.